likely than it's been in 14 years. Bob Agner reporting. On Wall Street this morning, stock futures in positive territory. Dow futures up four points. NASDAQ futures ahead one. S&P futures up a fraction. This is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But those who believe we can lose salvation believe that God... Uh, saves us by his grace, but we've got to be faithful and obey him if we're to make it to heaven. In other words, it's God and you in cooperation. God saved you. Yes, that's true. He saved you by his grace, but it's by works that you make it. What a caricature of salvation. What an absolute caricature of salvation. Our salvation is complete. Isn't that God did his part and you do yours? The only part that we do, we could say, is we believe, and even that is a gift from God, faith. Our salvation dependent upon God and Him alone. I could never do enough to make it. Obedience is the natural result of salvation, not a means of gaining or preserving salvation. If obedience is what keeps us saved, well, then Noah's Ark would not be a very accurate picture of God's saving grace. Those God chose to save from the flood rode safely inside the ark, not clinging to pegs on the outside, hoping they could hang on for the entire voyage. Noah illustrated Jesus' work on the cross by building the ark to rescue the people God chose to save. Noah's family had only to accept the offer of salvation by trusting Noah's word that a flood was coming and the ark would save them from it. We obtain spiritual salvation by simply trusting God enough to stake our eternities on Jesus and his payment for our sin debt. There is no disagreement among evangelicals that Jesus and his death and resurrection are the means of our salvation. But there is strong disagreement as to how unchangeable that salvation is. And today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be considering some of the verses used to support both views. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He's been serving in that capacity since 1982, and this series of lessons comes from one of his earliest sermon series. I'm glad that we found this buried treasure, and I hope it helps you to sort out the questions you might have in your own mind about eternal security. As we often say, the context of a scripture verse is essential to its proper understanding. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here's Pastor Steve to continue where he left off in the last broadcast with a verse that illustrates that importance. Now let's move on. There are some Bible passages that refer to people departing from doctrinal teaching and not personal faith. And the Bible uses the expression, the faith. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. But, and, and I said this just before, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will, will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. This passage does not say some will fall away from faith, from personal faith in Christ. It says some will fall away, and the original Greek language says the faith. Now, the faith in the Bible is not personal faith. It is the body of God's truth. For instance, in Jude, verse 3, Jude says this. He says, we must earnestly contend for the faith. He isn't saying contend for your own personal faith and salvation. You contend, you fight for the truth that has once and for all been delivered to the saints. The word of God, sound doctrine. So what, what Paul is saying is that in the end times, there are going to be some 
who will fall away from sound doctrine and beware because they're going to try to pull you into it. That's what he's saying. Let's move on. Some Bible passages speak of loss of reward, but not loss of salvation. You've got to understand that. Some have said, ah, look, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, proves that you can lose your salvation. And what does 1 Corinthians chapter 3 say? Verse 13 says this, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Notice it doesn't say each man's sin. It says his work. Not speaking about sin. He's speaking about his work, his life. If any man's work, not sin, which he has built upon it, remains, he shall receive a reward. Salvation isn't reward. Salvation's a free gift. He's not speaking of salvation. Salvation's a free gift. Verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. doesn't say he's going to suffer uh, loss of salvation, just suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. He's going to be saved. Well, what loss is he going to suffer? It says he'll be saved yet as, as through fire. What is the fire dealing with? His work. It means, let me put it to you in simple language, it means that he's going to have a wasted life, but he's still going to be saved. That that's what the Word of God says. There are other Bible passages that people misunderstand because they teach, they, uh, they say they teach loss of salvation, but they're really teaching loss of certain privileges in the Christian life. Certain privileges come with obedience. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is one that uh, all many people use. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Verse 26 and 27, Paul writes, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as, as not beating the air, but I buffet my body. It means he gives, I give myself a black eye. I really whack myself and make it my slave. I put it under subjection. Lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And they say, uh-huh. You say, be disqualified from what? Well, what's the context? Dealing with Christian liberty. He's dealing with service for the Lord. Paul is saying, he, he's speaking of a crown, rewards. And, and it can't be salvation because salvation is not a reward. You're not rewarded for salvation. You are given salvation. It's a gift. No, he's, he's speaking about uh, effort for Christian service. He says, I want to be disciplined. I don't want to preach to others about Christian liberty and, and, and living a life of discipline. And then God's going to look at me and say, you're preaching what you're not, you're not practicing. And I'm going to disqualify you in the sense of putting you on the shelf. You're disqualified from effective Christian service. That's all. That's the context. Some Bible passages are dealing with God's discipline but not salvation. For instance, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8 says, But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If God doesn't discipline you, if God doesn't spank you in his own unique way, then you don't belong to him at all. Has God had to spank some people? Well, he's had to spank all of us, let's face it, but some a little, more, a little harder than others. And 1 Timothy chapter 1 says this, verse 19 and 20. Keeping faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard, uh, in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so they may be taught not to blaspheme. Apparently there were two people, these two uh, people I mentioned, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who uh, had gone away somewhat, at least temporarily, from sound doctrine. Paul says... I'm going to give them over to Satan. What? To lose their salvation? No. They might learn not to blaspheme. Uh, we're not, we don't have time to go over it now, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, deals with the, with the uh, same thing that 
discipline of someone in the church, but it's speaking of he shall be saved at that day. His spirit will be saved. So why is there a debate over the issue of whether a person can lose his salvation or not? It's because people misinterpret passages. You must take it in its setting and in its context. Now, there's another reason why Christians debate this issue. I want to cover it now. There's another issue. It's, it's also a surface issue. Uh, it's not a legitimate issue, but you'll always hear it being brought up. This is how it goes. It's reasoning, which is very dangerous because uh, all things must be brought unto, under the submission to the word of God, not to our reason. But it's reasoning that goes something like this. If, if I can't lose my salvation, if I'm secure in Christ, then I'm going to go out and just live a life like I belong to the devil. If, if no matter what I do, I can't lose my salvation, then what's to keep me from living a life of sin. And that's what some say. They say, we can't believe that, because if we believe that, then we're just giving license to sin. Is that valid? Many people use that. And they are scared that eternal security will be an open, open invitation to sin. Makes no difference how I live, because I can't lose it, so just live any old way. Well, people who hold to this view have really missed out on one of the greatest truths in the Christian life. It is sad to say, but they have missed out on a key to Christian living. A true Christian wants to obey the Lord because he loves Christ, not because he fears being sent to hell if he doesn't obey. Isn't that true? I don't want to obey him because I fear being sent to hell. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because God has been so gracious to me, I want to obey him. Because I'm so secure in Christ and I'm rich in him, it demands my response of love. I don't respond because I'm trying to get something. In fact, Ephesians says you have been blessed. You've been given everything. Now obey because of that. But those who believe you can lose your salvation don't, don't say that. They say, ah, oh, you've got you to gotta, you gotta do this to, because you, you fear. You've you got to just keep at it. You've got to keep at it. No. Paul says because you are secure in Christ, your position in him. Now you do this because you love him. He calls it the worthy walk. You see, it's the knowledge of God's grace and love that keeps me from sinning. That's why I don't sin, because I know he loves me, because I know he's been gracious. How can, how can you continue to live a life of sin? Really, how can you continue to, to live a life of sin when you know what his grace has done for you? That's why I say it's Ephesians. Because God has been so gracious, I've got to obey. I love him. I obey out of gratitude and, and love for him, not fear of hell. It's, it's just the same thing as, why don't you sin against your, your spouse? Is it because you're scared that they'll divorce you if you're unfaithful? I hope that's not the reason why we don't sin against our spouse. No, it, it, it ought to be at least because you know they love you and you love them. It's not because you fear that one false move and that's it. It's like we look at our children. And uh, I remember when our children were learning to walk, and even now our, our little Rachel is, is standing by herself, and she stands by herself, and then she falls. What if I said, uh-huh, that's it, out of this house. You have fallen because you couldn't stand. Do you think God is like that? We don't do that with our children. I don't want my, my children to obey me because they fear that, that uh, if they don't obey me, they're going to have the door open and say, you're on your own now. You've really lost it. Come back when you're better. No, I want them to obey me because they know I love them, and I want them to obey me out of a desire uh, to please me, and, and because they love me, and because they don't want me to be disappointed in them. 
In fact, Titus 2, 11 and 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Grace doesn't encourage us to sin. It teaches me not to sin. One of the, the most famous verses in the Bible we use and many people use this who also believe they can lose their salvation. They've missed the point. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, um, based on the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let's stop there for a moment. Paul is saying, based on God's mercy, live a holy life. Not based on fear that you can lose it. For, for 11 chapters, he's taught us about the grace of God with Israel, with our salvation with all of these things, with Abraham. And now he says, based on me being a merciful, gracious God, now live a life of holiness. You see? You see the point? You don't, you don't obey because you fear. We obey because we love. It's a world of difference to that. Uh, M.R. Dahan once said this, if you think that salvation by grace encourages sin, then you don't understand grace. That's the bottom line. And... Uh, what Dr. DeHaan said is really the key point to the whole debate over security. Now, we're not going to have time to go into the dangers today, but I don't want you to pack up. I want your mind to be alert because this is probably what I'm going to say now. We'll, we'll stop at this point about the debate. But what I'm going to say now is, is probably the key issue with this whole thing about eternal security. And I want you to think clearly with me. Silently pray and ask the Lord to give you a mind on this that, that receives this. Because what Dr. DeHaan said is really the key point to the whole debate over our security. The root problem is not differing interpretations over some individual verses, nor is it even the fear of, of living in sin. That is why I said it is surface issues. The root issue is this. The root problem is that those who reject the security of the believer don't fully understand the grace of God. That salvation is totally of the Lord and not ourselves. That's the bottom line. When, it, when you take everything away, that is the issue. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. The Bible says that our salvation is a gift from God that cannot be worked for. It cannot be worked for. Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. But those who believe we can lose salvation believe that God uh, saves us by his grace, but we've got to be faithful and obey him if we're to make it to heaven. In other words, it's God and you in cooperation. God saved you. Yes, that's true. He saved you by his grace, but it's by works that you make it. What a caricature of salvation. What an absolute caricature of salvation. Our salvation is complete. Isn't that God did his part and you do yours? The only part that we do, we could say, is we believe, and even that is a gift from God, faith. Our salvation is dependent upon God and him alone. If it, were, if it were dependent upon us, let's face it, we would have lost it a long time ago. I've said that over and over again. If my salvation was dependent on my obedience, it's gone. It's gone. I could never do enough to make it. Strombeck and his Great book, Shall Never Perish, says this. Grace excludes all merit on the part of the one who is the object thereof. Therefore, to be saved by grace cannot take into account any merit in, in the saved one, either before, at the time, or after the time he is saved. Furthermore, grace is shown 
for the one who is actually guilty. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5a, therefore, demerit does not hinder the operation of grace, nor can it set aside that which grace has accomplished. In fact, demerit is the occasion for grace to accomplish its work. The conclusion drawn from this is that is that which God has done by the operation of his grace is unalterable. And this is exactly what God says about grace. It is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, Romans 4.16. Thus, to be saved by grace is to be inalterably saved, and that for all eternity, the saved one cannot be anything but eternally secure. Our faith is in Christ alone, not in ourselves. It's not you and the Lord working together. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not help us keep being saved. He came to save us, not to help you uh, be, be saved. He came to save you, deliver you from sin. And when we come to Christ for salvation, we have to realize that we are unable to save ourselves. You have always been unable to save yourselves, and you are unable to keep yourselves saved. In fact, that's why Jude says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Because you're not able to keep you from falling, but he is. And the issue is this. Either Christ's death is sufficient for my salvation, or it isn't. Either it's totally sufficient, or it's not. Now I want you to realize something important. In spite of the fact that we're going to cover, for the next few weeks, eternal security, and we're going to do, we're going to try to do an in-depth study of this, and it should really help you to understand the issues, I know that, that there will be passages of Scripture that someone will throw up in our faces, yours and mine individually, that we cannot answer. I'm not so naive that I don't understand that. There, don't think that we're going to have an answer for every passage in the Bible. Because we don't. In fact, I have a book in my library that uh, brings up some very good points, that uh, at least they look good, that I don't have an answer for. Not yet. Maybe I'll never have an answer for it until I get to heaven. It deals with, with why, we, why he says we can lose our salvation. So it isn't the issue of this verse or that verse. Or this, that, that really is not the issue. How do you handle this? And I'm going to tell you this. This should put it all together. The issue is that the the only, uh, is that only the teaching of our security in Christ is in harmony with the doctrine, the total doctrine of the grace of God. How do we evaluate this? How do we know if we're right? They have their verses, we have our verses. Because only our position for being eternally secure is in harmony with the total view of the grace of God. And any view, any doctrine that, that contradicts the grace of God which is what the New Testament is all about. Any doctrine that contradicts that has to be thrown out because God is always in harmony with himself. Let me read to you what Strombeck says. I think this, what, what I'm going to quote now, is what settled it in my mind. It must be admitted by all that the doctrines of the grace of God are a related body of truth each part of which harmonizes perfectly with each and every other part. There must be no contradictions between the various doctrines and no confusion as to their meanings. For God is the God of order and not of confusion. The fundamental question then is, does the truth of eternal security harmonize and fit in with all the doctrines of the grace of God? Or does the declaration that one who has been saved can be lost do so? As these two positions are contradictory to each other, only, then, only one of them can be so harmonized. That position which can be harmonized must then be accepted as fundamentally correct and the other discarded. This is a far greater weight than the quotation of separate scripture passages to support the other side 
or support one side or the other. In fact, it must be conceded that if it can be established that the one position is in harmony with all the doctrines of grace and the other is in discord with them, it must be in, it becomes imperative to interpret individual verses in harmony with the conclusions from a study of the doctrines. Certainly no passage can be interpreted so as to build a doctrine that is out of harmony with the great body of grace truth. In one sense, there is no doctrine called eternal security. There is no doctrine called security of the believer. There is no doctrine called our position in Christ. There is one doctrine called the grace of God. And our security in Christ is one aspect of that grace. And you know what? That position is in harmony with what the Bible teaches about grace. And we accept it. You know what the debate is all about? The debate is all about this. God's grace versus man's efforts. Christ the Savior or me the Savior. Salvation is a gift or salvation is something to be earned. That's the real debate. Salvation God's way or man's way. If you mix grace with works, you don't have grace anymore. It's either all of God or it's not at all of God. And that's what the debate is all about. And that's why we rest on the fact that we are secure in Christ. Maybe you're struggling with it. I hope that this has helped you. And maybe you're without Christ. Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, this is really foreign to me. In fact, some might say, why even go over this when you have unbelievers here? You know what? In John chapter 10, Jesus went over that with unbelievers, didn't he? The Pharisees were unbelievers. And Jesus told them, you're not my sheep. And I'll, I'll explain more about that next because there's a famous man in church history who came to know the Lord based on the truth of eternal security. But let me say this. You know why it's good for unbelievers to hear this? If you're without Christ, you know why you need to hear this? Because I want you to know what kind of a salvation you can have. It's not a cheap salvation. It isn't here today, gone tomorrow. If it were that kind of salvation, it wouldn't even be worth discussing. Because no one could ever have it. We'd all send it away. If you come to Christ... You come to one who offers you something that is permanent, something that is lasting, something that you can be secure in, something that is unalterable. And dear Christian, you need to know that's the kind of salvation you have. It'll affect your life. It'll affect your life. It'll build instability into your life like you've never perhaps had before. I trust that you'll ponder these things, perhaps even get the cassette tape on this, and dwell on the great truths of our security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, for those who are without you, without the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that they'll, that they'll sense their need for a wonderful salvation like this. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so precious. It's so of, of your grace. I pray that you'll draw them to yourself. And I pray that you might uh, even prod them along to come up after the service and speak to one of our counselors who can help them know uh, the way of salvation and, and to understand it. I pray for those of us who are with Christ and yet are not sure of this. Oh, I pray that this, these verses today, the truth of your word might dwell in us richly, that we might recognize who we are in you and how secure we are, not in ourselves, but in Christ. I thank you, Father, for being so clear in your word. I thank you for the truth that the Spirit of God is our teacher who really helps us to understand that these things are true. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
This concludes the first of eight sermons in a series titled Safety for the Sheep by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to visit Lakeside and meet Pastor Steve, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. If you want to listen again, or if you missed one or more of the first two parts of this message, the whole message is available on CD by calling Lakeside at 727-239-0306. Ask for message number 7267, Debate Over Eternal Security. Or you can listen again right now to today's lesson or any of our previous ones if you can get to the Internet. Go to www.versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Message Archive link. Verse by Verse is listener-supported, and we want to take a moment to thank our supporters. Your generosity is vital in keeping these Bible classes on the air. If you're not already part of our support team and are considering it, we have information about our philosophy of giving and also links that make it very easy to give online through PayPal. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. 